Arcadian Vanguard presents the Wrestling News in your daily wrestling newscast for Thursday, August 24th, 2023. Good morning, I'm Mike Sepervivi. We begin today with the unfortunate news of the passing yesterday of one of the most accomplished and beloved professional wrestlers of all time, Terry Funk. The news of Funk's passing yesterday at the age of 79 was first made public on social media by fellow former NWA World Heavyweight Champion Ric Flair and later confirmed by close friend Mick Foley after speaking to Funk's daughters Brandy and Stacy, who had been caring for their father in recent years as he battled dementia. In a career spanning half a century beginning in 1965 and playing out its final in-ring chapter as recently as 2017, Terry Funk was known for repeatedly finding ways to reinvent himself and stay relevant, meaning different things to different generations of wrestling fans. A graduate of West Texas State University and second-generation grappler, the younger son of Dory Funk Sr. got his first exposure as a rising star in his father's promotion, the Amarillo-based Western State Sports. After a decade as a pro, he became a world heavyweight champion on December 10, 1975, defeating Jack Briscoe in Miami Beach and holding the crown for 14 months. But whereas for most, this would have seemed to be the pinnacle of a career, Terry Funk was truly just getting started. It was also around this time that Terry, along with his brother Dory, began to build a legend in Japan, establishing a relationship with All Japan promoter Giant Baba, and quickly becoming among the most popular American stars in the history of Japanese wrestling, highlighted by repeated victories in All Japan's prestigious World Tag League tournament. Funk's name in Japan would endure as he continued to make appearances for All Japan all the way into the early 2000s, and also was on the cutting edge of the rise of the deathmatch in Itsushi Onita's FMW in the 1990s. After the demise of Western state sports at the end of the 1970s, Funk was free to travel more regularly throughout different areas. Fans in Florida would recall his many battles with Dusty Rhodes. In Memphis, he was known for his heated rivalry with Jerry Lawler, punctuated by the legendary empty arena match at the Mid-South Coliseum. He was part of the WWF's national expansion in the mid-1980s, even challenging Hulk Hogan for the WWF world title on Saturday night's main event in 1986. Just three years later, he'd be in WCW challenging Ric Flair for the NWA world title in a memorable feud that earned him the nickname Middle-Aged and Crazy. By the early 1990s, approaching 50 years old, Funk was all but done with wrestling in one of his many supposed and short-lived retirements, when he was brought in by Paul Heyman to ECW, where he became not only the promotion's resident legend, but also one of the cornerstones of the company and its ultra-violent brand of wrestling. Exposed to a whole new generation of fans, Funk earned the nickname the Hardcore Icon, teaming with Tommy Dreamer and warring with the likes of Shane Douglas, Cactus Jack, Raven, and especially Sabu, even becoming ECW World Champion in 1997 at the company's first pay-per-view, Barely Legal. In the late years of his career, he even had final runs in both the WWF, where he won the World Tag Team title with Cactus Jack as Chainsaw Charlie, and in WCW, where he captured the Hardcore title and stayed on right to the end of the company's run in 2001. After competing in a six-man tag on WWE's ECW Revival pay-per-view One Night Stand in 2006, he stepped away from the ring, although he was occasionally known to still put on the boots in the 2010s, 
wrapping up with a pair of six-man tags in September 2017 for big-time wrestling, pitting himself in the Rock and Roll Express against Jerry Lawler, Doug Gilbert, and Brian Christopher. Over the course of his lengthy career, Terry Funk built a reputation as a consummate professional wrestler, both in the ring and on the microphone, as someone who excelled at the multifaceted skills required to be a great performer, stressing believability in his work and changing with the business as many of his peers stayed rooted in the past. He was acknowledged for his accomplishments with inductions into the WWE Hall of Fame, Tragos Thez Hall of Fame, Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame, International Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame, the Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Fame, NWA Hall of Fame, and St. Louis Wrestling Club Hall of Fame. He was also honored with the Iron Mike Mazurki Award from the Cauliflower Alley Club in 2005 and the Stanley Weston Award for Lifetime Achievement from Pro Wrestling Illustrated in 2022. In addition to his wrestling career, Funk also transitioned into film and television acting with memorable roles alongside Sylvester Stallone in Paradise Alley and Over the Top, as well as with Patrick Swayze in Roadhouse. Funk's struggles with dementia began after the loss of his wife Vicki Ann in 2019, and he had transitioned for a time to assisted living, although it is believed that he was able to return home for his final months. Once again, Terry Funk has passed away at the age of 79. Now with a look at last night's AEW Dynamite, here's the Wrestling News' Lou Kippelman. AEW presented the Fighter Fest edition of Dynamite last night on TBS, live from the Gas South Arena in Duluth, Georgia. The closing segment saw Ring of Honor World Tag Team Champions Aussie Open call out Adam Cole and AEW World Champion MJF, their opponents on Sunday at All In. An impromptu brawl ensued, in which there was also dissension tease between Cole and MJF, who are scheduled to oppose each other in the main event of All In. Wait a second, it's MJF setting up Fletcher. And the, whoa, uh oh. And I have to believe that was unintentional by Cole, but yeah, does was. MJF believe it? Well, it gets down really to set to this coming Sunday. Oh, my. Remember, these men have not one but two championship matches to worry about at all in London. The Ring of Honor World Tag Team Championship. Then the main event. MJF. Oh, boy. MJF, in his own words, said he is best friends with Anna. Oh, the dynamite diamond ring. Oh, my God. A lot, He's of, victories. A lot of victories for MJF with that ring. He's going to cold cock him with it. Or maybe not. And again. The confrontation took place following Ozzy Open's victory over the Hardy Boys in the main event of the evening. The show opened with a brawl involving Bullet Club Gold and the Elite before their scheduled match could even take place. Also involved in the brawl were Kanosuke Takeshita and AEW World Tag Team Champions FTR who made the save for their all-in opponents, the Young Bucks. Yet another brawl occurred after John Moxley's victory over Ray Phoenix, in which the entire Blackpool Combat Club came out to attack Phoenix, 
drawing out Eddie Kingston and Penta to make the save, followed by a reunited Santana and Ortiz, who blocked their path. The segment ended with Phoenix being stretchered out after being hit with a crowbar by Wheeler Yuta. The show also featured the contract signing for the all-in match between Chris Jericho and Will Ospreay. After exchanging heated words, Jericho and Ospreay came to blows before being separated by security. A.R. Fox was forcibly kicked out of the Mogul Embassy after taking the pinfall in his and Swerve Strickland's loss to Darby Allin and Nick Wayne in a Tornado Rules tag team match. Allin reconciled with Fox following the match, after which Strickland revealed that Christian Cage would replace Fox as his partner in the tag team coffin match against Allin and Sting at All In. In other results, Ruby Soho beat Sky Blue and Billy Gunn revealed that he planned to return to the ring to join the acclaimed in a match at All In against the House of Black. One more time! It's all or nothing! All In! Wembley Stadium in front of 80,000 people! Look in my eyes. I take everything from you because it all in it's the house of black against the acclaim and well unfortunately that fun loving daddy ass can't make the trip but there is a guy there is a guy I thought we'd never see again And I guarantee you're going to wish that you never seen him either because there's a badass coming to London and his name is Billy Gunn! For the wrestling news, I'm Lou Kippelman. In ratings news, last Tuesday night's heatwave edition of NXT on USA Network drew a total TV audience of 720,000 according to WrestleNomics. That's up 6% from last week's audience of 680,000. In the key 18- to 49-year-old demographic, the show did a rating of 0.19, translating to 254,000 viewers, and even with last week's key demo rating. The episode came in fourth place in the key demo for the evening on cable TV, according to Spoiler TV. That's a drop from last week's number one position. And we close today with more unfortunate news on the passing of Abe Jacobs, veteran journeyman who had been the oldest living former professional wrestler. Jacobs passed away last Monday at the age of 95, as was first reported yesterday by Slam Wrestling. With a career spanning 26 years, the New Zealand-born Jacobs was best known for his time in the Mid-Atlantic Territory, where he wrestled for the Crockett family starting in 1965 and spent a majority of the remaining 18 years of his career. A regular during the heyday of tag team wrestling in the Carolinas in the late 60s and early 70s, Jacobs formed tandems with partners such as Emile Dupree, Luther Lindsay, Sailor R. Thomas, Man Mountain Mike, and many others. Much of Jacobs' career was spent in tag teams, and the only championships he held were tag team gold, including the WWA International TV Tag Team title in California with Haystacks Calhoun in 1962, the Florida version of the NWA World Tag Team title with Don Curtis in 1964, and the Western States Tag Team title in Amarillo with Pez Watley in 1976. 
Jacobs broke into wrestling in Hawaii in 1958 and had runs in nearly every major territory, including a run in 1959 to 1961 in Capital Wrestling, the predecessor to the WWWF, as well as the Pacific Northwest, Georgia Championship Wrestling, St. Louis, and even New Japan, where he toured as the Red Pimpernel. Although he typically never rose to above the mid-card, Jacobs' lengthy career saw him challenge NWA World Champions Pat O'Connor, Buddy Rogers, Luthez, and Gene Kaniski. His final appearance would be in an opening match loss to Paul Orndorff in 1984 on one of the WWF's first cards inside Atlanta's Omni. Once again, Abe Jacobs passes away at the age of 95. And before we leave you today, We'd like to remind you that however you consume your content, you can find the wrestling news 24 hours a day and seven days a week across social media. On Twitter, follow us at Wrestling News AV. Our Facebook page is also Wrestling News AV. The wrestling news can also be found on the Arcadian Vanguard YouTube page. And for those who utilize Amazon Echo devices, just tell Alexa to play the Wrestling News podcast. And remember to make sure you add podcast at the end. Once again, for daily updates, breaking news, and more, follow the wrestling news across social media. And that's the news for today. If anything happens, we will be here to tell you about it. No clickbait, no paywall, just the wrestling news. The Wrestling News is a division of Arcadian Vanguard, and the Wrestling Newscast is a production of the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network.